I'm Ashley Keenan and you're listening to Every Mum, the podcast, now in its 10th season and supported by Water Wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland, made with simply two ingredients and nothing else. When I had my daughter, I wanted something I could trust to use on her skin and Water Wipes were and still are the one. I once made the mistake of trying a different brand. Never again. I didn't realise just how much of a difference there could be between two fairly similar brands, but it was huge. My daughter is now two, and I still panic if I don't have at least one pack of water wipes within line of sight. With that in mind, I'm happy to say this season is supported by that most essential of products for every mum, water wipes. Winners of seven National Parenting Product Awards 2022, including Best Baby Wipes, they are ideal for delicate newborn skin. Together, we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to this next episode of Every Mum, the podcast. I'm Ashley Keenan, and can you believe we're halfway through the season? Because I can't. It has flown by. Everything to do with parenting seems to make your life speed up a million percent. This episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Caroline Foran. So Caroline is a podcaster and a best-selling author and her wheelhouse, I suppose, is everything to do with anxiety. But she joins us this episode to discuss the idea of being one and done when it comes to children and a family structure, to just make a decision or not make a decision to have more than one child. We also talk about how it feels to get negative comments on parenting from strangers online, which is a lot of what comes to Caroline, and how challenging it is to parent a highly sensitive child. And the most refreshing thing about Caroline, I find, is that she is exactly as you find her online. She is the exact same person online and offline. She's always open, so honest, so candid about her experiences and always willing to share in spite of potentially getting backlash. And I just think it's so generous of her that she's always willing to say the things that might help or support other mothers or other parents going through a similar stage. I always get so much from her content and I hope you guys get something from this episode. Forward, thank you so much. You're you're a returning guest, but this is the first time I have spoken to you um, on every one of the podcasts. So I'm very delighted to have you. Uh, oh, thank, thank you for you. giving up your morning. And anyone who follows you, which I do, anyone who follows you will know that giving up your morning, giving up an hour in your morning has not been an easy thing for you to do over the last while. Would no. you like to tell everyone why that is? <laughs> I'm sure if anyone if anyone follows me there, I'm like a broken record. They're probably sick of hearing me say it, but um, I guess a lot of people who listen to the podcast maybe won't follow me. I have been in the throes of separation anxiety with my two and a half year old. And I don't just mean like a little bit of a resistance when I leave and then he's distracted and he's fine. I mean, nuclear meltdown that he doesn't come out of. Um, mm. And oh, he basically just... I kind of think I have it figured out now. I haven't got it resolved, but I have it figured out. I think what happened was, first of all, he's a highly sensitive kid. So that has been, that has its own challenges. And it's been like an incredibly difficult experience as a parent. And as I'm learning that it's kind of a different bracket of parenting when you're, when you have a highly sensitive child for their, for their needs and for 
their anxieties. And it's not like a condition. It's just like a trait. Just, you know, they're sensitive. They feel things greatly. And so do I. Mm -hmm. So that's part one. But then he also, I think, after he had a tummy bug in the beginning of the year, which was so bad, it just kept coming back. Apparently, you can develop temporary lactose intolerance from that. And I just started to notice over time that he was always complaining of like his tummy and asking me to rub it. And I thought that was just like a comfort anxiety thing. And I just thought I would try maybe taking them, taking them off lactose because I'm also lactose intolerant. Um, Mm. And the difference was night and day for his humor. So it was, I was, I figured that like, he just felt unwell all the time. So not only was he like, you know, have a proclivity towards wanting mammy and being, you know, anxious and sensitive and, and stuff, then he just felt like shit all the time. And of course you only want your mammy and his, his mood and everything had deteriorated so much to the extent that, you know, when he was with his minder and I'd go upstairs, he would just lie on the floor at the bottom of the stairs, just kind of sad, like even when he wasn't upset, like listless kind of waiting for me and just his quality of life. I was like, this is, this is not good, but his fear response grew and grew and grew. And I couldn't then even step out to the car. I couldn't I, for for a while there, like it was too much for his little body to cope with me being out of his line of sight. And it was so incredibly stressful. And, you know, all of the, I guess, thoughts, school of thought that we've grown up with is like, you have to just keep going. You have to leave. You have to let, you know, deal with your mommy has to leave. You have to just deal with it. And my, in my heart of hearts, I was like, I think that I'm going to send him into a spin like I because of everything I know about anxiety and stress at this point I could see that he was in pure fight or flight mode and I needed to help settle that down so I had to kind of give into it and be like okay I'm not going to push it for a while I'm going to be with you so coupled with taking away dairy and then just really responding to his needs which felt like you know you, you feel like oh you're molly coddling them and everything that people say it just felt like I had to do that. And over time, bit by bit, very, very, very slowly, like, I mean, slow as a snail process, mm-hmm. he started to get more confident. And now I'm at the point where I can be up here and record a podcast for an hour. Might yeah. have an interruption, but, you know, it's, it's, we're getting there. Um, but yeah. oh my God, it's been the hardest few months of not just like my parenting experience, but probably like my life. Your life. But like, minus that, minus the time when I had a mental breakdown for anxiety, but sure, that's a whole other story. <laughs> that's a, that, that's a whole other podcast. In fact, a whole other podcast series. <laughs> um, but I think like you know, you know your be- your baby or your child better than anybody, and I think that's the same for anyone that's listening. Like, I mean, I remember Lydia, uh, my daughter, got sick uh, last Christmas, not last Christmas, Christmas before, when she was about eight months old, and she was so unwell and I just knew I was like I have to bring her to the doctor I knew there was something beyond just general you know cold flu lethargy Mm -hmm. or whatever I knew she was I knew there was something going on and I remember like my husband was like oh she she, you know she's just sick like you know she just has a flu or whatever and to be fair to him you know he doesn't have that like biological I almost feel like I'm still attached to my child do you know what I mean as in physically attached to her sometimes um and I just I was like no no I just want to get her checked and of course when we took her down to the the GP she had a really really bad uh ear infection but like you have that mother's instinct about what is the best thing to do in the moment for your child and you had that with Kaylin like you knew I need to give him this bit of space I need to facilitate this the this way he's being how did you kind of come to the conclusion that that's what was going on with Kaylin 
So I was following um, Aoife um, Durkin of the Highly Sensitive Psychologist, who is just a wealth of information. And she's also a parent to a very highly sensitive child as well, a similar age to Kaylin. And it was, I mean, I was really worried. Um, a lot of people, because, you know, I, I share the good, the bad and the ugly. A lot of people just kept mm. saying, yeah, he just, he seems to be autistic. And, you know, people who've no experience or no um, qualifications at all just diagnosed yeah. my child. Yeah. And as much as I would, I'm not saying, oh my God, don't say my child has autism. I, I, I would and will explore that. Um, I started to really spiral and panic. You know, there's something, re- especially in the height of the anxiety for him, like there's something not right here. Um, but in talking to her, because she's both an expert, a psychologist um, and a parent to a highly sensitive kid, she really helped me put the pieces together. And, and she's like, you know, obviously she can't professionally, she didn't professionally diagnose him, but from just chatting to me all the time and saying, yeah, yeah. Caroline, I really just think he fits the bill of a highly sensitive kid. And it's, it's not just like a bit more tantrums or a bit more, um, you know, difficulty separating from you. It's like all of those things times a thousand and the sense like toddlers are sensitive anyway, even if they're super chill by nature. And um, so it's very much a trait. And um, basically what she explained to me was that a highly sensitive child or a highly sensitive person could come into the world with this very small window of tolerance. And that means like what, say, for example, if you weren't highly sensitive, what you can handle what kind of stresses you can manage before you feel overwhelmed is much greater than what my son can manage or what I can manage. And so that really helped me kind of frame it and better understand. Because I think for so long, you know, I was trying to, I was expecting him to be like the typical kid or what we think a toddler should be like, you know, and um, that was creating so much resistance. But then when I really started reading up about being highly sensitive and how their needs differ and, you know, it just goes so against that, you know, the generational thing of like just tough love and everything. It really does because they do not respond. The highly sensitive kid does not respond to that. Um, so it's kind of almost reassuring and reinforcing their attachment, but in a way that you think will create more dependence on you. But then there's the parrot. This is I'm rambling there, but the paradox of dependence with attachment theory is that when you respond to their needs and they feel seen and heard and loved and connected, even though you think, oh my God, I'm I'm making a mess out of this and I'm not going to be able to go to the shop. As they grow older, they will be more independent because of having those needs met. So mm-hmm. learning all that helped me be like, okay, I need to just tune into what, the way my son is, what I feel is the right way to approach it. Cause I think we have lost like our sense of intuition so much, you know, we've, I have probably made the mistake of surrounding myself with too many experts and far too many voices online where you can really dull your own sense of what's, what's right for your kid. I, you know, inundated with advice since I had him and that's, you know, I've, I've, be asked for it because I've shared so much. Um, but it makes you really doubt yourself and really question yourself. And I think, as soon as I was able to turn down the volume and all that noise um, and really listen to like just one or two voices that kind of got it and, and could, you know, reassure me, then it, it helped. It helped me anyway. It helped me understand the situation better um, and think about, you know, ways to approach it, like experiments to do, you know, even if it's things like drawing little hearts on his hand and, you know, or doing, we have a timer, we do a game where like we set the timer and a funny picture reveals when the clock is up and mommy runs to the hallway and she's not, you know, he's like, you're not allowed to come back in yet. You know, so little things like that, and um, which seems so tiny, what can just, they're, they're the building blocks. 
Um, but yeah, so I've learned a lot about highly sensitive people and, my, and there's, there's lots of questionnaires you can fill out to kind of get a sense of whether um, you tick the box. And uh, there's lots of things like, you know, sleep difficulties. And he's always, he, we sleep trained him, but he's always, I think naturally he would love to fight it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, sensitivity, uh, like loud noises and stuff. And he likes, you know, he doesn't like chaos. He likes quiet, um, needs a lot of preparation of what's going to happen, needs to know what's going to happen. Very attached to me, very, um, can be very anxious, isn't shy, but is very wary and very cautious. And the way I would describe him is like, he rushed into the world with this air of concern about him. Um, and it's just been trying to support that and cushion around that in a way that helps him flourish. But Oh, it's really hard. It's just the hardest, hardest job. Like where was the training for all of this? Oh my God. Not one bit of training did any of us get. And it's like, I I just, I remember leaving the hospital and being like, where's my manual? Like, what do I, I do when I'm away from the medical professionals? And it's just a matter of finding your way and, and trying your best. And you're right about intuition. I do think there's an element that like, I don't know whether it's a generational thing or whatever, but we seem to have lost that ability. And I think it could be because I never really thought about it before, but it could be because of all the voices online and all the experts and all the, like the sheer availability of information. Like, and you don't have to tap into that voice. You don't have to go in. What do I think you can just go on Google? I guess because I haven't shared loads, I have shared bits, but not loads. I don't get as much commentary from like the the general public I suppose probably way better off and I don't know if I would do it if I had another child yeah that's what I was thinking I was like that must be aside from the well-meaning advice you know and actually the the kind of supportive comments and all the kind of good stuff the the like I'm trying to imagine how I would feel if I got an I got a message on on Instagram from a stranger telling me that maybe you should look into the fact that your child might be autistic like it it must be incredibly difficult to field that sort of response from people yeah it is um and I have to I mean I've battled with it since you know I, I've always shared everything I've, I've kind of battled with the the benefits versus the the reasons not to um and I think for me I have this need to connect and when I had him I felt very isolated it was COVID I was alone in the hospital all the time as was everyone who gave birth you know in I around that time just when I was ready to push was my husband allowed to come in and I think I felt this it was just this outlet this connect felt like comfort and connection in the middle of the night and I have always needed validation and and reassurance and this need yet need to connect people and also this need to be be seen and heard um you know and also for people to say oh me too I feel that way too um to, to my detriment, probably, you know, I feel like I can't experience something difficult and not share it. It's become, you know, it's kind yeah, of on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But then the flip side is I put myself in a very, very vulnerable position mm. when I was at my most vulnerable in my life. And I, yeah. you do open yourself up to comments. And I wasn't, I guess I just, I didn't have a clue of the extent of the commentary and the opinions that exist in the parenting world. Uh, not my not parenting mothers because it's not fathers are not getting the commentary um and I remember like Instagram is one thing you know I, I've gotten a few nasty messages there but the overwhelming majority of people are just like buoying me up when I feel you know when I have felt like oh god I can't do this and that's probably the reason why I've kept going it's it's not 
people think I'm just sharing to, you know, they're like, oh, you know, you're helping other people by sharing. Like I'm, I'm really also helping myself. Like it's my coping mechanism to share and say, does anyone else feel like this? And I feel like if I was to only put out, you know, snippets of the best bits, like I really would explode with the pressure of what I'm putting out there being so at odds with what I'm actually experiencing. Like that to me is like the definition of imposter syndrome, you know? Um, and I've never been able to just put out a version of myself. I wish I could, Mm. you know, makes you probably protect yourself a bit more. And I think like, yeah, if I did, if I had another child, I think I would make the decision. Like I've been there, I've done that. I've shared the whole experience, you know, maybe I know myself a bit better now. Um, but yeah, there's been, there's been comments. Um, I, I did mistakenly once end up on that website, um, Tattle Life and that destroyed me. It destroyed me. Um, because the comments were very much, well like I haven't been back on it in, in over a year or so and it, every time I feel low I'm like I think it's a, it's in our nature to want to know what threats are in your vicinity to protect you yes you yeah, want to yeah, go and seek out yeah. the information but I know that there's nothing I can do about that in my logical yeah. brain so don't go and look for it but I did at one point um and it was you know all this stuff, you know, we saw Sheila Shoga post about it during the week, like, oh God, love her. Who does she think she is? She's the first person to have a child. Like, wait till she gets home with the baby. Like, God, she's, you know, blah, just everything was like, oh, things like, let's hope um, she never inflicts, she never has another child to inflict herself upon and all, all these things. And it just, it was like, whoa. And I felt so unsafe. And I felt so, I actually felt weird being out in public in case I got this sense of, I could be walking by someone who like, looks at me and actually is one of those people who comments because they're not trolls living in basements like they're people they're people yeah in the world which is the scary part of it like scary part very scary um so there's that which I just decided right okay that's just the lowest of the low I'm not going to engage and but then yeah on Instagram most people are well-meaning there's been been the odd comment like what recently it's been you know god you need to step away from your you're you're molly coddling your child like he's never going to be independent if you if you're like drowning him in it and like this comment about how I should be giving my child space (laughs) I would love to I would love to be able to give him space (laughs) um so and then there's then there's people who think they're well-meaning but it's I guess in the context of all of the all of the messages it can be a lot sometimes um Mm -hmm. but again I have the power to not share and I I do share I don't know how else to be but but Um, at the same time though I like I don't think that just because someone shares and whether that's, you know, someone like you or I or someone who's like a an A-list celebrity or whatever. Like, what are you saying? I'm not A-list. <laughs> I, I would I would say you're firmly on the B-list, Caroline, if that's OK. <laughs> Julia Roberts just pipped you to the post. Oh, I would say I'm not on the alphabet. <laughs> yeah, no, same. This podcast is just one way that every mum supports you. Another amazing way is our free gift bag, packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland. To receive yours, register now on everymum.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum. But I think like no matter who you are online, really, just because you put yourself out there does not mean that you deserve abuse or I like I just I just don't sometimes I try and get my head wrap my head around the type of person that would comment on tattle life in a negative way about someone mm. and I just I can't figure it out and see the way you were saying like when you were going out in public you'd be afraid because like, what if you saw someone who you know hated you and was was a, a tattle life commenter or whatever <laughs> the funny thing is that person is probably 
not brave enough to even approach you never mind say something you know what I mean and like they would never ever bring those awful like vile thoughts and comments to a public forum with their face and their real name like never mind approach it in public never mind you know say the things that like a lot of them I, I would imagine wouldn't even say the things they post to friends of theirs because they know how harshly they oh, will no. be judged yeah and you know, so I, I've also really come to understand you know you have to think about not not to excuse it but like I feel sorry for for people like that you know I really do because they they've obviously been led to believe that um a woman should be silent and never complain and um, especially in mothering, it should only be considered a blessing and never a challenge. And um, you're you're less than or you're weak or you're not strong or you're not a good enough mother if you're ever saying it's difficult. And yeah. so while I say it was a coping mechanism for me, I also feel very strongly about breaking that cycle of of people thinking that, you know, it, it's black or white, all or nothing. And um, I think you know, and people have asked me, God, like, do you enjoy motherhood? And like, that's why I have to keep sharing in a way. Cause I'm like, if you think that I don't love my son, because I say that it's difficult, there's something very wrong with society. And this is why women are suffering. And the fear of being judged for saying it's difficult. I'm telling you, it's why so many women end up with postnatal depression because they feel like they can't say it, whatever, but what's going on hormonally, there's a huge cultural thing there as well. Um, and a lot of that I think comes from pressure with generations that have gone before because they didn't have the permission or the space to ever say that it was hard um and now that we do it's like how dare you who do you think you are I, ha, what gives you the right to say it's difficult I didn't get to say that I have to keep go, carrying on but we all have the right to say you know this is difficult so it's yeah. not always difficult there's plenty of yeah. wonderful moments um but yeah I think that we have we have to keep pushing against it because it's it's so toxic it's so so it's such a, an issue with with mental maternal mental health. Mm-hmm. We I wanted to ask you about this is kind of the the core of um what I wanted to talk to you about really because I am kind of in the place now, uh, being completely honest, where my husband and I are in talks <laughs> about having having or not having a second child. Mm-hmm. I think two would probably be our our limit, but it was mm-hmm. always we kind of after after we had Lydia we were like will we have another one and we're still in that like discussion area and it was I'm not gonna lie because I found pregnancy really difficult I found the first few months of Lydia's life quite difficult and you obviously have had a relatively tough time with Kaylin lately but also kind of at the start when Mm -hmm. you know so like have you made the decision I suppose or are you still in the will we have another one area um and I don't say that to be you know oh when's the next one coming along because that's the most annoying question of all time but like the kind of the issue of being one and done Mm -hmm. I know you've said that before you're like we're one and done and you've joked with with Barry that you're one and done but like where are you on that discussion at the moment so I've really I've really beaten myself over the head with this question for so long because I have felt that if I don't get to the point of saying I want another one that there's something wrong with me yeah because society is like why wouldn't Courtney you should have as many kids as you're lucky to have and why wouldn't you and he needs a sibling and you know it wouldn't be fair in him like there's that but there's also where is the um it, you know if I can handle it well enough I should be able to take two or three of Kaylin but I know that I can't because my mental health has suffered so much and 
right now anyway like I never say never because we have mm. one good day with Kayla and I'm looking at Barry saying I go on <laughs> I'm like oh my god no um yeah. but I think what I've struggled to come to terms with is that I think if I did it now I would be doing it to be more societally acceptable I would be doing yeah. it to try and prove to myself that I am not a failure that I could get it right I would be doing it to try and heal myself from the first experience. I would, I'd feel more socially acceptable. I would, I would be doing it to see that I'm a good mother because mm-hmm. that question mark is always hanging over your head. I still really struggle with how, you know, one of my best friends just had a baby and it always brings it all back for me that I'm like, why weren't you just purely in the love bubble stage? Why, why did you feel so untethered and so scared and overwhelmed when you think that everyone else doesn't feel that way? Um, and I think that I just have had to learn my nature and my husband's nature as well. And then the good thing is we're on the same page about it. Um, uh-huh. I think that people have certain temperaments and I think, you know, back to that window of tolerance thing, I think some people have much bigger window of tolerances than me and can handle a lot more. And I don't think I could handle much more than is on my plate right now. Um, and that's okay. But I'm saying that I'm trying to convince myself of that, that yeah. that's okay. Um, I read a quote uh, it was actually it wasn't a quote it was Barry found this thread on Reddit called one and done and he was like Caroline it was like you wrote every comment on it it was one and it was like I just I just don't know if I could handle it like I I mean should I should probably want one by now and people are asking me and you know now that he's this age and but I just I, I don't know and what if I regret it and this is this my thing like what if I regret it when I'm older like what if you just should you just power through and then another person commented and she was like I'm just done with this you know beating myself up over the head with this she's like some people's temperaments can handle a lot more. Mine can't. Um, what she said something like, a lot of people are actually just muddling through. And, you know, I don't really want to just survive every day. I want to thrive. And if I think that having another kid will make me stay in survival mode and, and like have years go by of my life where I'm compromising the parent I am to my firstborn or compromising my relationship or, com- you know, everything, then then maybe I just have my one child and, and, you know, be selfish and be live and live my life with a little bit more, uh, a little bit less chaos. And, and that's okay. That's a valid choice. And mm. it was, it was probably quite offensive to people who do want to have more, but to me, it just mm. kind of spoke to me that it was like, I don't have to, I don't have to be this martyr of like, you know, you're only a good parent if you're, you know, have kids hanging out of you and that's, you know, you're sweating and you're trying to do everything. I don't have, I can get back to a semblance of equilibrium and, and enjoy that and that be okay. And I really feel like as well with my, with Caelan, my son, I feel like he needs me. I, I know every child needs their mother, but I, I'm not ready to kind of step away from him to the extent that I am there for him yet. Mm-hmm. But, and I, and I think, I mean, I had this conversation with, with Sinead O'Moore, with, with your, your pre- predecessor, is that the word? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, so right now I'm thinking about all the logical reasons why I shouldn't or why I, why I won't. And she's like, someone who wants to have a second one will be aware of all those logical reasons. But despite all, in spite of all those, there'll be this biological drive, this need to be like, I, but I don't care. I want to do it. I need to do it. And I have, I haven't gotten there yet. And even when my friends are having babies and, you know, then the, the WhatsApp is like, oh, I'm so broody, the ovaries and everything. And I am so happy for them and I'm dying to get the cuddles and everything. And it takes me back and it makes me wish I could have a little newborn moment all over again. But then I'm like, no, 
like I doesn't make me be like I really need to do this again so mm-hmm. I don't have because I don't have that drive and because I'm looking I'm I really want to prioritize my mental health and also I'm quite afraid of losing what I have with Barry if you know if we put any more strain on us then that is already there and um, so for all of those reasons plus the lack of of biological drive uh certainly now is, is not the time I mm-hmm. you know if things get easier um, you know, I'm sure I, I feel like what happens is you come through a phase and then all the experience that felt so heavy when you were in it gets condensed down to like a little floppy disk of of memories. You're like, oh, I, I'm out the other side now so I could handle that again. But I just don't want to feel like I'm in the trenches all the time. And honestly, like he's three in August. Like I remember I remember bumping into someone in the park in Albert College Park when I he was a week old or something and there was this man and he was with his teenage son or he was talking about his, his son who was 18 and he was like oh um just the one and I was like oh Jesus he's a few weeks old like give me a minute yeah <laughs> like oh I only ever had the one he's like the first three years of my son's life were the hardest three years of my life and I got so frightened and I was like oh my god and I'm like they have been the hardest three years of my life. And I've never forgotten that man. And he's such an amazing relationship with his son. He was like, he's my best friend. We do all these things together. And I don't know, it was just a really nice, he frightened me, but then also validated <laughs> me that, you know, it all, it all was so worth all of the investment upfront to like have such a good bond and a good relationship. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know, but I still, I mean, every now and then I see, you know, if I like even hearing you say, you know, we're, we're having a conversation. I'm like, why don't, why, why can't I be normal like that? Why, you know, but I know that that would be the wrong reason to do it. But no, do you know, like when I say we're having the conversation, I mean, we keep going back and forth as well, because like you and, and do you know what, Caroline, I don't, I don't even think the first two years of Lydia's life have a patch on what you have gone through with Kaylin. I really don't. Um, but I, they were still the hardest two years of my life. Like definitely, I've never gone through anything more challenging than um, the the change from being a woman into being a mother. And it wasn't because of Lydia, which sounds funny, but I think I've had my challenges have been around my identity and my yeah. my myself rather than pair because actually she's been a total joy to parent. She's a very, you know, she, we've been very lucky with her in, in the sense that she wasn't, you know, she didn't have reflux Pretend or, yeah. you know, she's just kind of chill. But I've I struggled massively with losing myself, trying to find myself again, you know, all that kind of side of things. So it has been incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. But there is a temptation for me, and I think you'll understand what I'm saying here. Like in fact, I think you mentioned it already. Like there is such a huge part of me that wants to have another one so that I can get it right this time. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of pressure. I mean, because you've no idea what that child will be like. And, you know, yeah. Barry also like what? Because I was like, oh, everyone's a second child will be more chill. And he's like, what if they weren't? What if it was like Kaylin yeah. amped up? And I was like, no, no, but we, no, but it couldn't. <laughs> No, it couldn't. A lot of pressure to get it. Even though you think you go easy on yourself second time around, mm. if you're going in with being like, this is the time I have to get it right. This is, I have to yeah. enjoy every minute. Then that's yes. hard to, it's hard yeah. to live up to that. Because I was talking to, again, I was talking to my pal who she just literally gave birth last weekend. She was in hospital because she had a section. So she was there for a few days and she had a section on her first child as well. And she was saying to me that, um, she was enjoying it this time because it was just her and the baby. She wasn't, she didn't have that like I remember being in hospital and and just being I was just 
afraid. That's all mm-hmm. I can describe it as. I was, I wasn't happy. I wasn't sad. I wasn't anything. I was afraid. I was anxious, nervous, and worried the entire time. I I didn't have any faith in my ability to to parent a newborn. I was, you know, immediately post major abdominal surgery, and I was struggling with with that mm-hmm. as well. I had been really ill for, pre- for the pregnancy, so I was you know tired or whatever. But like genuinely, there like I don't know. She said to me this time she feels you know she isn't so scared because she knows what's to come. She knows how to mother a baby you know she knows all that sort of stuff and when she was saying all that to me I was like god I would love to do it again so that I could enjoy those moments and I could because like when I when I don't know when when Kaylin was born like how did you did were you filled with that fear did you was there any enjoyment at the start because for me like I'm when I say small windows of of enjoyment I really mean very small like it it was mostly just difficult I mean the first 24 hours I think hormonally you're pumped and you're you know I was like I was terrified but I felt I didn't feel I was inspiring I didn't feel sad mm-hmm. um um but I think I think I probably underestimate the significance of of that much time alone in hospital without Barry there to reassure me without the two of us figuring it out um yeah. I think that probably set the tone for me um but I felt just Oh, it was just so much fear. I, I'll never forget the feeling of coming home and everyone says, oh, you'd be so delighted to get home to your own bed. And I was like, <gasps> yeah, I, I just fear, fear, fear. And I was oh, hormonally anyway, like I was all over the place. I cried so much, I, it, like it, tiny windows of joy here and there. Um, but mostly just, oh, my God. I really struggled to adjust. Um, I felt so again like broken that I wasn't everyone's like oh the love bubble and you know the pure newborn bliss and I was like no I, I don't I don't feel that and um I was I was kind of scared of Kaylin like I was he was so fragile and I was kind of intimidated by the task at hand that I almost didn't want to be left alone with him like I I, I just needed encouragement you know and um I yeah I just it hurts so much to think about that time like it really does and it and it comes all back for me when I when a friend has a baby and again I think yeah if, if there is any drive it's just to to right the wrongs and I the thing I struggle with is that I really feel like I let my son down and logically I know I didn't I know I'm the most present mother for him and Jesus like if some kids had half of the affection and care and consideration that my son gets they'd be so much better off like I know that I'm a good mother and I know that I'm trying my best, but I feel like I failed in the beginning and I almost want just another, another redo, but I don't like, I can't do that because, well, I can, but I, I, the Caitlin will also still be here. So like, I don't get mm-hmm. to just like be in bed all day. Like you have to get up and do the toddler routine. And, um, so if I could just rewind and know what I know now, yes, but, um, I'm just going to have to figure out how to let it go. And like, God, he's nearly three. Like, when am I going to get there? I don't know. Mm. I still, I still haven't let that go. I'm still, it's, it's not, I, I wouldn't describe it as regret about the first few weeks of her life. Um, sadness. Def- yeah, there's definitely sadness. And there's definitely like a sense of, like you said, like I let her down, like, mm. because I was so consumed with this 
just fear and you know inadequacy and like I know what you're saying about being afraid of your baby because they are so fragile and they depend on you for everything and your 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 mind is not your own because of the hormonal you know Mm -hmm. roller coaster that you're on and you're just like how 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 am I to do this like I I was saying actually on another episode that I remember leaving the hospital and I was inconsolable I was sobbing I sobbed all the way home I was afraid of the car I was afraid to get into the car I remember sitting in the foyer of the rotunda with Lydia in her car seat she was five days old and Dean had gone to get the car to drive it up so that I didn't have to walk far because obviously I couldn't mm-hmm. with the the, cesare- uh, the cesarean section and I was sitting in the foyer with her and I swear to God there was a part of me that was like terrified I mean terrified I was looking at every single person thinking they're going to try and steal my baby and then at the exact same time there was a part of me that was going maybe they should steal my baby Mm -hmm. like that's how insane the my mind was working you know what I mean like there was a part of me that was like I remember being very uh, concerned about, you know, some of the thoughts I was having and being like, geez, you know, I just think God, you know, I have him in my arms. What if I just let go? What if I just dropped him? And I was like, what is wrong with you? And actually I read a book, which I will never stop recommending what mothers do, especially when it looks like nothing by Naomi Stadlin. I think it is. I read it three times in a row back to back in those first few weeks. Cause I was just so needing reassurance. It's, it's amazing. And she was saying that, you know, it's all about matrescence and stuff that actually not only are those, um, those thoughts, normal they're actually kind of necessary because it's some sort of primal thing of making you think it's being aware of the power that you do have so that you make sure something doesn't happen to them that's your mother brain turning on and it's like misfiring by thinking that you're like having these images of things happening or people taking your baby or you dropping them down the stairs and it's to prime you to be on extra guard and on alert and but it's very disconcerting when you don't know that and also the whole idea of you know why am why am I just feeling so untethered and everything I had no idea about matrescence at the time, but she's saying not only are those feelings again normal, like it's necessary to feel fear and freak out and everything as you make your way towards becoming the mother that you're going to be. It's it's a process and um, it's like adolescence. It's hormonal, it's bumpy and it's so much more extreme than adolescence and it's so much more intense and short term and like it happens much quicker. Um, so knowing that everything I was feeling was very commonly experienced if if not ever really shared was was one thing but knowing that it's actually part of the process and necessary to have those doubts and those wobbles um was like the salve the balm that I needed um yeah I wish it wasn't necessary I, I know. wish there was you know I mean it's I'm not like, something everyone goes through but it's no. it's very very normal very common it doesn't feel like that do you ever do you ever look at someone who has like two three four or more children and be like how in god's name are they like i i play football with a woman who has four children and they're like from kind of early teens down to like toddlerhood and i genuinely just i can't wrap my head around like how they live their lives and then i'm looking at them going never mind the four children but them as people like how how are they so much more capable and so Mm -hmm. much more how do they have the bandwidth and the like 
do people who are that calm exist in the world? Do you ever think that? Do you ever think like... Yeah, I constantly do. I mean, I was only out on the road the other day in my estate and like the, mm-hmm. I met a woman who I knew was having her third baby. It turned it out that it was twins and she had four. And I just immediately felt like, typical me, like turning it back on myself. I was like, what is wrong with you? Like these people can handle everything. You can't even handle your own child. And um, yeah, I that, that comparing thing is 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 huge. And I just, yeah, I flip it back on myself and I'm like, you're weak, you're not able, you're broken. Yeah, you're less than. Yeah, you're less than is the feeling. And it's so, I'm so fucking tired of it. Like I yeah. <laughs> I want to just get to the point where me deciding whether or not I have another child is a choice and not because I think I can't cope. Like I want it to be like a valid choice and I'm choosing this. I'm choosing this for us, for our family. Not, I can't do it anything else. I'm just struggling so much. I want it to be positive. I want to reframe it. I think. I th- I think a part of like, I remember my therapist saying to me before on the topic of having a second child, she said to me, you know, make sure it's your choice. And I mm-hmm. think what she meant by that, we were kind of talking it out and what she meant by that was, don't do it because you feel like your child needs a sibling. Don't yeah. do it because you think your parents would love another grandchild. Don't do it because society thinks that only children are weird, yeah, odd, or yeah. that they will grow up and be, you know, all those ridiculous tropes about, you know, oh, your child will be spoiled and they'll be this and they'll be that and they'll be the other. Like, I firmly believe that none of those are true and if you are if you parent a certain way any child can become spoiled and if you parent a certain way any child can be you know grateful and uh, content and you know not a ridiculous diva of a of a Mm. child an only child um and I know like I know plenty of people who are only children who are absolutely you know lovely members of society who didn't Mm -hmm. grow up into complete sociopaths but like we were talking it out and she said, make sure it's something that you choose to do. And at the moment, like you were saying, I don't have that biological urge, you know, mm-hmm. to have another child. In fact, I didn't have the biological urge to have Lydia. I just knew having a family in terms of a child was something that I wanted in my life. I didn't necessarily have mm-hmm. that thing where, yeah, like I didn't, my body was never like, have a baby, have a baby. Yeah. And it's it's not doing that now for a second one. So I think um being able to have this conversation with you and and like look at the fact that yeah, society pressures you into it. You know, there's so many opinions about only children. There's so many opinions about, oh, would you not give them a sibling? As if you're doing your your child a disservice by not providing mm-hmm. another human for them to yeah. pal around with. Like it's just I know. It's it seems mad. Um so what do you think, like, I'm trying to think what would have to be in place for me to make that choice? What What do you think would have to be in place for you to go, actually, do you know what? Let's do it. I think I would need to, I think I, Kaylin would need to be a lot more settled. I'm, I'm like in school, you know, feeling confident, thriving. Um, I would want to have come back to myself at some point and have, you know, rediscovered myself and um, yeah, I don't, I never would have been like, just get it all done in one go kind of person. Like I, I need to reconnect with my husband. I, you know, I'm so bollocks at the end of every day that I'm like, get away from me, you know, <laughs> we, and because of the separation anxiety, like I haven't been out for dinner in months. Like I haven't, you know, done anything. I, I just, I really need to feel that parenting isn't the a hundred percent of my existence. You know, I need, I think that needs to be in place. I think, um, 
probably a little bit more like financial security work-wise like the, you know we work in creative roles and it's um I really this is a whole other conversation but like I really struggle with it being so much to do with not your skill and your experience but like your popularity being your worth mm-hmm. um so I feel like work-wise I would like to just feel a little bit like I could step back without this need to be you know constantly updating my Instagram and stuff to stay relevant you know and mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. there's a few things like that I'd like a bigger garden <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's a very practical thing it's yeah, a practical yeah, yeah. One. um and also from a physical pain I mean I, I had a nowhere near as hard as you but I had a, I felt awful in pregnancy I was really sick and I had pelvic girdle pain and I was on crutches and I've really suffered with my back since then and I've just herniated discs and everything and I would want to be feeling physically good again like mm-hmm. pain free and exercising I, I still feel like I'm postpartum and like I'm still recovering from it yeah um, but we so are like there's I, I don't never not really you're never not recovering from yeah. your, you know, your postpartum experience. But I think all of those things that you've said, and particularly the things that are about you, I, I've been saying this for years that I think there needs to be a different word for selfish because the word selfish has negative connotations, mm-hmm. and being being selfish in those ways, like wanting to fa- feel like yourself, wanting to reconnect with your husband, wanting. Kaylin to be settled and to be you know content in school or whatever none of that is selfish in the in the way that we th- you know in the in the negative way we think about someone who is selfish it's it's putting yourself first so you can be the parent that you would like to be and that's yeah. like and and also like you know the to look at it from like the big picture perspective when you become a parent it's, it doesn't mean you no longer exist as yourself you know mm-hmm. you still you still are as valid a person and I t- I'm telling myself this as much as anyone that's listening like you're still you you still have worth you still have value you still have something to offer the world apart from you know just parenting and I don't mean that you know ju- parenting yeah. is, a, is a massive role and responsibility and, and a joy and it's all those good things but it's that's not all you are so Mm -hmm. to want to focus on yourself and want to get those things in place that's not selfish and I want anyone who's the new word going to be I mean I need to I don't know maybe we'll workshop it together because yeah I think think something like self-love is probably a bit of a stretch as well it's more just like yeah it it being acceptable and okay to be like I'm at the top of this pyramid and I need to look after myself totally yeah and what yeah what is that what is the new word like we're because it's not it's it goes beyond self-love it goes beyond self-care it's not those things it's it's more fundamental it's probably that. like self-worth self you know yeah value, yeah self-value yeah. Mm. We'll, we'll 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 work on it <laughs> we'll work on it we will we'll workshop it. anyway Caroline I um have really enjoyed our chat I really would like to talk more actually just just maybe yeah. not necessarily about the same topics but just we'll talk again because anytime um talking to you about parenting is uh it always makes me feel I always feel like I can just be re- incredibly open because you are mm-hmm. so open and I think that's part of what people love about you online and stuff is that you by being so yourself and by being so transparent and honest about your experience it gives us permission to mm-hmm. do the same which I just think is the most wonderful thing so thank you so mm-hmm. much thank you for, for joining and anytime I'm always here for the chats because each time I have a chat like this it like stitches a little bit of me back up <laughs> Oh, that's so good. I'm glad to uh, have helped you stitch. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. 
thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland, for their support. Their wipes are made with simply two ingredients, 99.9% water and a drop of fruit extract. And they are also plant-based and plastic-free. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate or leave a review. You can share this episode across social if you like and you can get in touch with the guest on social media and their handles will be in the show notes. Thank you.